As a professional welder, Shayna Ford uses Forge FX to practice over and over, which helps her improve her skills. The more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. So what are you supposed to do between each Engadget podcast? Wait in silence? I'm Matt Smith, and every morning I walk through the day's biggest tech stories. It's short, relevant, and ready for listening whenever you wake up. Find Engadget Morning Edition wherever you find your podcasts, or ask your smart speaker for the latest news from Engadget. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Engadget Podcast. I'm Reviews Editor Sherlyn Lowe. I'm Senior Editor Devendra Hardwar. And today we're going to talk all about what else but Apple. I mean, Apple had its event on, <laughs> I think it was Tuesday. Time is a mystery. And also, we're going to dive into Devendra's review of the Oculus Quest 2 and cover some of the interesting news that came out this week. We had what, LG demo this new concept thing called the Wing, which looks wild as balls. And uh, Google announced an event for the Pixel 5, which I think some people are really hype about. So we'll get into all of that in this episode. We are also joined by our commerce editor, Valentina Palladino. Hey, Val. Hi, guys. Thanks for having me. She's going to be here to tell us all about the Apple Watch Series 6, which she's been able to spend a little bit of time with so we can tell you what it feels like to use this thing a little bit in the real world. So as always, if you're enjoying the show, make sure to subscribe on your podcast catcher of choice. Leave us a review on iTunes. And if you have any thoughts, send us an email to podcast at Engadget.com. Also, on Thursday mornings, we record this show live on the Engadget YouTube channel. So if you want to talk directly to us, fire us some questions and get them answered live, you can also head over there where we record Thursdays at 10 a.m. Eastern. So on Tuesday, Apple held its Time Flies event, which was a very polished video, basically, presentation of things like the Apple Watch <laughs> Series 6, the Apple Watch SE. It was a, it was a well-produced Apple home movie inside their office, basically, because we were was, zooming all around the, well uh, done. the infinite loop room. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. It was exactly like WWDC, actually. <laughs> Almost felt like they shot in the same space at least yeah yeah um but yeah so we got it says time flies so we did get the watches that we expected to see like the apple watch series 6 and the watch se we also got a couple of ipads and then some like software slash service news so we're going to go into all of that but just one word up front no iphones i think a lot of people were those, disappointed those are two words sherlyn but yeah no I, that's yeah, not words. how i pronounce it i pronounce no iphones so no iphones <laughs> no iphones <laughs> <laughs> But uh, yeah, I mean, we did the post, uh, you know, the post show discussion mm-hmm. for this mm-hmm. thing. And by the way, you can find that on YouTube if you want to hear us go, you know, even deeper into all this Apple stuff for 45 minutes or so. Um, but yeah, the the thing people wouldn't stop shutting up about in the comments is uh, where are the iPhones, no iPhones. We know, we know, know we know, I folks. Know. And uh, it's annoying, but I think we are expecting an iPhone event probably in a couple of weeks, right? Yeah, just to remind everyone that the rumor is they were supposed to have an event like in September uh, mm-hmm. as well, but we had to delay it because of COVID-related production issues. So the phone, we're thinking 
we may see an event either later this month or early October, and then sure. the phone availability itself might be pushed even further back, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, Valentina, uh, maybe you're... maybe a little later than we're used to, but I think certainly within October. That's the idea because they got to give time for people for these things to ship out, for people to exactly. order the phones, you know, ahead of the holidays, ahead of Black Friday and everything. Yeah. I I mean I wonder, uh, Valentina, you're our commerce person. You are all up to speed mm-hmm. on all that like deal stuff. Do you think? I don't yes. know that Apple ever has like great deals, but do you think Apple might try to beat <laughs> that Black Friday <laughs> rush to announce the um, iPhone early? Earlier than that, anyway? Well, I mean, uh, to get the iPhones out before Black Friday, that's probably going to happen. Mm-hmm. That's what usually happens. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I feel like even with the COVID-19 pandemic, I think they're going to try as hard as possible to get them out, mm-hmm. you know, before that time frame. Everybody wants their stuff out before the holidays, oh, yeah. right? So, I think that's probably, like, likely. Um, but in terms of, like, deals and stuff on them, <laughs> Never. I, mean, I, I highly doubt Never. it. I highly Never. doubt it. I mean, honestly, probably the best deal go like I think is still going on right now is the education pricing. Mm. So if you're a student mm. or an educator, like, you can usually get some um, amount off if you buy a new Apple product. Will that apply, like, come October, November? Probably. I, I'm not sure. <laughs> I, I'm actually not sure if that's an, a running deal. Yeah. Um, usually around back to school. But yeah, uh, uh, as far as new iPhones go, probably mm-hmm. no like hot deals, at least from Apple, yeah. maybe other retailers. Uh, l- l- let me just yet. say, like as somebody, I used to handle IT stuff for a college. If you're a kid in school, look at the discounts available yes. to you because oh you can gosh. likely get a nice 10% or more uh, by going through your college. So keep an yeah. eye on that. And also, I don't want to discount. Hey, carriers, including um, the one that owns a gadget, uh, sometimes have good deals. So just keep an eye out for those, too, because I do feel like the carrier bundles can be good when a new iPhone comes out, even if Apple doesn't give you good deals, right? I fully agree. So we did not see iPhones, but we did see a heck of a lot of other things, starting with, I think, what everyone might be most interested to talk about, which is the Apple Watch Series 6. This is something, Val, you have had some time with. So do you want to tell us what's interesting or new about it? Sure. So I'll preface by saying that I've had the, I've been using the Series 6 for a grand total of 24 Yay! hours-ish. <laughs> so I, I, I only have a limited experience with it so far, um, but I have used most of the other Apple Watches that have come out in the past. So um, it's for, right off the bat, it seems like it's a decent Apple mm-hmm. Watch. You know what I mean? It, it builds upon a lot of the things that we've seen um, in the Apple Watch Series 5. Um, there are not a whole ton of new hardware pieces mm-hmm. to this Series 6. So uh, for me, someone who has used the Series 5 a lot, it felt very familiar. Yeah. You know, like it felt like a standard good Apple Watch. <laughs> um, but yes, there are new hardware features. In particular, probably the most interesting um, is the new blood oxygen right, sensor. Right. So that will measure the amount of oxygen in your blood at various times throughout the day. Mm-hmm. Um, and you can also take manual readings yourself if you want to. Um, that's probably the biggest new like fitness feature and also new piece of hardware that's in this device that is not in any of the other um, previous is, Apple Watches. There's also the new processor, but I don't know that you can tell the difference between the processors just from 24 hours of use, right? Actually, yes. Oh, uh, only a little bit, though. <laughs> I mean, again, the Apple Watch, uh, the Apple Watch Series 5 always ran pretty smoothly in my experience. Mm-hmm. But I I have also a Series 5 with me, so I was able to kind of see the Series 6 and the Series 5 next to each other. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? (laughs) Um, So I could see a bit of a difference. It's the Series 6 on the S6 uh, processor is definitely faster. Yes. But 
it is most noticeable in like small actions when you're opening up apps on the watch, when you're swiping through like different watch faces that you have in your bank of watch faces that you keep on the watch. Um, and also like on screen animations look a little bit smoother, okay. which comes in handy with some of the new watch faces. So it's small differences where you'll really see mm-hmm. it. Um, but you kind of have to know what you're looking for, I guess. Otherwise, it's probably just going to feel like a very zippy <laughs> Apple Watch, you know? I mean,. I, I and I asked that because that's also one of the differences the Apple Watch Series Six has against the Watch SE, which was also announced. But we'll get to that later. Uh, what else is new other than the hardware on the Watch Series Six? So it runs WatchOS Seven. So there are a number of new features in WatchOS Seven, mm-hmm. um, and some of them have to do with the hardware. I mean, like obviously the blood oxygen app is new in WatchOS Seven. Mm-hmm. Um, there's also the new hand washing feature, <laughs> which I, I uh, honestly I totally forgot mm-hmm. about it until I experienced it when I was wearing nice. this. Um, so I, I was washing my hands for the first time after putting this on for the first yeah. time, and it starts c- counting you down. You get some haptic feedback and what I thought was fun was that the timer actually stops if you stop washing your Ooh. hands. So you really, it really is like you better you wash your yeah. hands for twenty seconds, otherwise we're not going to let you out of this I, like I've, time loop sort of thing. I've read that it doesn't see like reverse, um, like if you're washing the back of your hands or something. Have you noticed like any weird orientation things that didn't really they didn't catch? Not yet. Okay. And I try to do like what the either the CDC or the World Health Organization tells you to do, yeah. like yeah. you know yeah. the kind of like you know like all over your hands type of a thing. Um, and I didn't really see any weird pauses that I wasn't trying to create. Like I did stop washing my hands to see like if it actually would <laughs> yeah. stop and it did. Good. Um, but yeah, it recognizes that you're washing your hands by motion and the sound of running water. And it, and that's actually been pretty accurate, mm-hmm. uh, in my experience so far. Um, but yeah, there are in WatchOS seven, there are also new watch faces, which I think everyone's always really excited mm-hmm. to see. Um, I've been using the Memoji watch course. as of late very you. Um, which i really like i have a little <laughs> yes i have a little ghost emoji on my watch all the time feeling very like in the spirit of halloween coming up you know um so yeah and then uh also in the series six that hasn't always on altimeter yes uh so part of watch watch os 7 is that it will calculate in real time your elevation mm-hmm. change when you're out for a hike or um some sort of a, like other outdoor workout so that's another uh feature of watch os 7 do that we think that's cool. I, yeah i was gonna say do we think that's useful yeah. the vendor and i were talking about that on the post show uh, i don't this. know i don't it's it just seems like hey apple i went up you know 10 steps or something and you can keep <laughs> track of that but valentina you're more outdoorsy how useful would you find that i think it would be pretty useful mm-hmm. especially if you are like someone who hikes a lot i mean i know a lot of people like that um and unfortunately where i live right now is pretty flat like you have to like <laughs> really try to go somewhere to actually take a hike um but i would definitely use it and be interesting to see and also i think it kind of goes hand in hand with the blood oxygen sensor because the amount of oxygen in your blood can vary based yeah. on health issues that you might be having, but also on elevation. Mm-hmm. So it kind of goes hand in hand with that, even if it's not, even if the sensors aren't necessarily talking to each other. Um, it just seems like the altimeter kind of is like a complement mm-hmm. to the blood oxygen gotcha. sensor. So th- this all sounds really cool. I guess question for people with the Apple Watch Series 4, really a question for me, I guess. I don't know if you if you have a Series 5, I don't know if it's worth upgrading just to this, but from the Series 4, which is where we got the really nice, um, the edge screen, screen right. the big redesign. Like, do you think there's enough of a reason for Apple Series 4, you know, Watch Series 4 users to jump up to this? Because uh, it's blood oxygen, it's a couple more sensors, it's faster, right? So that seems useful. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I would probably reserve my answer to that question until like I've tested yeah. it out even more. Like, I feel like 24 hours is not enough time for me to really say mm-hmm. yes or no definitively. But I do think that the performance boost will be noticeable coming from a Series 4. Mm-hmm. Um, and oh, having the always-on capabilities of the Series yeah. 6 on the display yeah. is really nice. I miss that. Um, yeah. And yeah, that's that's a really nice feature. And also the new processor in the series six is a little bit more power efficient. So it'll actually allows the screen to be a little bit brighter when your wrist is turned down. Mm -hmm. So you actually don't really have to like, like actually lift up your wrist all the time to see things on the screen. It's a little bit easier and also easier to see like outdoors and sunlight and stuff. So um, in terms of ease of use, that might be really useful to some people. Um, So yeah, I'm not sure if I would say definitively yes yet, Mm -hmm. uh, but I will definitely thinking about that kind of comparison. I have one that you mentioned always on display. I have one like quick question before we like go into the Apple watch SE, because (laughs) I think we're just headed there. Um, this is this watch what starts at 399 so one of the big differences between that yeah at the, and the 279 apple watch se is that always on display too right because i think the se doesn't have an always on display um but then so between the always on display and the s6 processor are you seeing any like battery differences on the series 6 compared to say the series 5 just from 24 hours <laughs> so yes i mean so the the general consensus is that the actual battery life estimate is pretty much the same from mm-hmm. the series five to the series six. You should get at least 18 hours on a single charge, full day worth of use, mm-hmm. um, depending on how you use it. Uh, what the new processor with the power efficiency improvements is able to do is actually allow you to charge the device mm-hmm. a little bit faster, which I have tested and I have seen is actually pretty useful. Mm-hmm. So, um, it seems like what Apple was trying to do here is to make it easier for people to use the sleep tracking tool, which is a new feature in watch OS mm-hmm. seven. So in order to do that, it's pretty useful to charge up your watch for half hour, an hour before going to bed. Yeah. Just so you have a little bit more juice to get you through the mm-hmm. night. Um, so in my experience last night, I put my series six on the charger that it came with for about a half an mm-hmm. hour and I saw it increase of 25% battery life hmm. in that half an hour. Is that enough to last which is pretty night? useful. Like that's yes, I mean I, it was not at zero when I put it on there. It was probably around 50%-ish. Okay. Um so yeah, but it was certainly enough to get me through the night. That was what I was going to say is that I went to bed with it, I slept with it, used the sleep tracking feature in Watch OS 7 which we can talk about if you mm. want. Um, and I went to bed and the watch had, I want to say around 82% battery life. And when I woke up, it had about 62% mm-hmm. battery life. So I understand, like, it, it, I actually was thinking it was going to be much less, mm-hmm. but considering it's on sleep mode, Apple has probably done some software, you know, algorithm yeah. type stuff to make sure that it's running most power efficient on sleep mm-hmm. mode. Um, and also you're not doing anything with the watch. Like the screen pretty much stays dark. Mm-hmm. Um, I was never woken up by it. Like I have been with other wearables. <laughs> um, and you know, you don't get notifications. Like it's not really doing a lot of things visually mm. that would kind of drain the battery. So 20%, like that's pretty good in my opinion. Um, again, we'll see if it changes yeah. as I use sleep mode more, but the first night it kind of lost 20 percent battery just in one night did did you use the gentle wake up feature with the alarm and everything because i feel like that could be nice too i did not i did not this time that's one thing i didn't set but i definitely have to i think that'll work with older ones too so that's the thing i do miss like i remember the first batch of wearables from like 
you drop on which i keep bringing up and fitbit and everything um they did this thing where like it would find the spot in your circadian rhythms like the spot in your sleep cycle where it's best for you to like just gently wake up so you don't feel tired and i feel like we lost a lot of that functionality with a lot of new devices Mm -hmm. so i'd love to have that back i think a lot of devices like nowadays say they're able to do something like that but they don't actually do it um Mm -hmm. Well, mm-hmm. we'll see. Uh, I am intrigued by though. I think the Watch Series Six is like a like a going to be one of the most powerful and the best smartwatches we've seen on the market. But mm-hmm. I'm more interested in what like Apple also announced, which is the Watch SE. Is that two seventy nine uh, more affordable smartwatch? Yeah, a whole new and, model, right? Because they've never really yeah. done yeah. this before. It was they would make the older one cheaper, and that was exactly the plan before, right. Mm-hmm. I mean, and the Watch Series Three is still going to be available for one ninety nine, yeah. but the Watch SE is to me not the cheapest right obviously 199 is slightly cheaper but it's a good price i guess for an apple watch anyway using an a very relatively new processor the s5 which is from the series 5 it's got a lot of the Mm -hmm. new designs uh i don't know valentina do you have any early thoughts on that i know we have a hands-on from chris velasco on the site if you want to check it out both those listening and watching Mm -hmm. but valentina what do you think yeah, so I have not actually used yeah. the watch SE. I only have tested out the um, uh, Series mm-hmm. 6. Um, but just looking at the spec sheet, I think it is a good like middle-of-the-road option if you're looking at just an Apple yeah. Watch. Um, clearly, and I feel like Apple has done this in the past, at least for a year, where when they come out with a new watch model, they try to consolidate the lineup so they don't confuse right. people with a lot of devices, particularly being sold from right. Apple. Um, so when the Series 5 came out, I believe immediately after that, the series four was basically right. gone like they just weren't they weren't dealing with it anymore <laughs> um so for the se yeah it's kind of that middle of the road i mean it's certainly it's kind of a hodgepodge <laughs> chris Blasso yeah. kind of said it in his uh watch hands on where it's like a franken watch yes. kind <laughs> yeah. of thing um because it does like take the essentials or what Apple deems the essentials mm-hmm. of the Apple watch um, and in putting it all into one device, but making sure that it keeps a lot of the more premium features on the series six, they have to differentiate, you yeah. know, why would you buy the series six versus the SE and vice versa? Yeah. Um, so, I mean, one of the biggest things I think that we've already mentioned before is that the SE does not have the always on mm-hmm. capabilities in the display. It does have the same like larger display that we saw in the series mm-hmm. five and now in the series six, but it just will not stay on all the time. Um, it also does not have ECG capabilities. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's something that, you know, people have to take into account if they're really interested in having that functionality. I do think that is more pertinent to certain types of people mm-hmm. who are really interested in keeping track of their heart health. Um, so clearly Apple is saying if you want a lot of those advanced health features like mm-hmm. ECG, like blood oxygen, you have to go for the more right. expensive series. Like six. a more mainstream user might be happy with the watch sure. SE, it seems like. And I I mean, some of the questions that were given to us during the post-show live stream was, one person was like, well, I've never had an Apple watch before. Will the watch SE be good or should I go for the watch series six? And my personal opinion is that I think the watch SE will be a good introduction. But I think, Devendra, you were also saying that like, maybe it makes yeah. sense if you have the money to, to spring for Just- the all- yeah, I, I would say go all the way just because I've gone through, I had the first gen Apple Watch, which was good at the beginning and got bad real fast because mm. that thing was slow and like it just couldn't really do much. So I got rid of that. Um, mm. But the Series 4, I've been really happy with and I was happy I went for the high end one there rather than because Series 4 was the big design leap. So the health stuff I think is good. You never really know when you'll need features like blood oxygen mar- monitoring and ECG monitoring. Like, mm-hmm. um, 
to me, I, I think it's worth investing in that. The one takeaway I'd say for people is don't get the Apple Watch Series 3. Like it's not <laughs> worth saving $80 for something that is so much slower, old, so much yeah. older. And it looks worse too because that the previous display just wasn't as exciting. It wasn't as big. So go for the SE at the very least, I'd say. I I mean, I, mm-hmm. I agree on the Series 3 part. I feel like, yes, $199 is a good price for that, but it is very old by now. And I don't know if it'll even like come running watch OS 7, Valentina. Yeah. It's not going to last very long. Like I would not give that watch two years, you know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I'm not sure if new one shipping will ship right. with watch OS yeah. 7, but it is supported. Like watch OS 7 is supported on mm-hmm. the Series 3, um, to my knowledge. Yeah. Um, because why would I Apple keep it around <laughs> if, if it didn't? Um, so, yeah, I mean, I would also agree with what Devendra is saying. Like the Series 3, you can also probably get other wearables mm-hmm. that do similar things to the Series yeah. 3 that cost oh, less. Yeah. Um, really, the Series 3 is best if you are like into apple and that's what you want mm-hmm. um but yes se probably at minimum um but i i do agree with devendra in that you know if you have the money to spend series six is probably where to go mm-hmm. but if you really just want a, if you're new to wearables mm-hmm. i think like if you mm-hmm. never had a wearable and you really just want something to track your runs and you know track all day activity and all that kind of stuff like first and foremost there are things that can do that that are yes. cheaper than the <laughs> se even but if you yeah. but if you want you know an apple watch and you're really not sure or you just don't want to pay like the extra money for the series six like the se it seems like they're targeting those people with the se yeah i'll wait i'll i mean I think I'm going to wait till the reviews come out. I think, what was it, the <laughs> September 18th was the real availability date for a lot of these devices, which is the day this podcast comes out. So yes, you can go and buy one now, but maybe wait for some reviews to show you how it behaves in the real world. Uh, I think I was very interested to see also that, and this makes me laugh a little bit, but <laughs> Apple announced <laughs> this thing called Fitness Plus. And I, I think I was like, uh, is this just Peloton's whole all access membership thing? Everybody needs one. Everybody needs a <laughs> subscription plan. Come on. Like I get it. We're all stuck at home. We're looking for workout videos all like all over the internet and just the quality of some of them aren't great. But I know that Valentina, we talked briefly about this and you said that you actually are interested in Fitness Plus. Like, tell me why. Definitely, yeah. I'm interested in it because, well, first of all, Apple knows how to make a good video. Like okay, a good promo that's video. True. Um but <laughs> I am interested in it personally because, you know, as we get into the winter months, Mm -hmm. like I do a mix, like personally myself of outdoor workouts and indoor workouts Mm -hmm. right now. I still have a gym membership, but because of the COVID-19 pandemic, I really don't see myself going back to the Mm -hmm. gym like for a while still. Mm -hmm. So I have been since March working out at home and then also working out outside. Mm -hmm. So I'm interested in all of the workouts that they can provide for indoor stuff. I don't have a treadmill Mm -hmm. or anything or a Mm -hmm. bike, um, but just like the strength training workouts. um, And I'm very interested to see the quality of the workouts and the variety of the, of the workouts that come out every week, because Apple is saying that they're going to come out with new workouts every week. Mm -hmm. Um, but like you said, you know, there are other services that do similar things. I can't speak to like the frequency of the new workouts that they come out with, but I actually did look at, um, some of the workouts that's available in Fitbit's, Mm -hmm. uh, subscription plan. And I feel like some of them I've seen, uh, since the beginning yeah. of that yes. uh, subscription service, like yep. I haven't, re- I don't know if I've noticed a lot of new mm-hmm, variety mm-hmm. type of yeah. stuff in there. I will say I haven't tried out one in a long time, yeah. um, so I don't, I can't speak to the quality of those. But yeah, I think it's, I think it's a natural fit for Apple since the yeah. Apple Watch is so like synonymous with fitness now. Um, 
and yeah, I'm just interested to see like the variety of the workouts, how they're conducted, like how the the videos are con- are conducted and everything, and like the the trainers yeah. and all that. So I'd be I would certainly be interested in like being a paying customer, especially during yeah. like the winter months when it's harder to go outside for a run or a bike ride or something. And you're, I'm gonna try to do more workouts in. I I know a little bit about like the market just because I've been indoor working out. <laughs> the whole time i haven't really gone outside to work out very much um and what i use are a mix of class pass which has their own videos which are great quality uh very short though <laughs> like 30 minutes uh at the maximum length uh they've also stopped updating them with new uh workout videos because of covid i think they can't produce more videos there's also i've tried some like aloe yoga um tutorials both on the free youtube site and the trial subscription i don't want to actually sign up for aloe moves then I have my own uh, yoga studio recently offered their trait, like their signature power hour yoga flow classes. So that's what I eventually like decided to pay monthly $15 for because that's the mix of exactly what I want to do at home. It's a tougher workout than what mm-hmm. I get on ClassPass. Um, and I think Peloton, I haven't tried it, but I've seen. So I think Peloton's workout videos are of pretty decent quality as well. I think actually a lot of bigger brands like that make decent quality videos and what i want from a workout video is like the audio has to be clear like the instructors uh the the coach's instructions have to be very clear i don't want to be like hurting myself trying to figure out what the hell you're telling me to do so um i think apple will be able to do that well and the frequency of updates is something that's interesting but i want to see what i'm more interested in seeing is the variety i want to see if like you're gonna give me a good dance workout i want to get a good maybe zumba i don't know uh we'll see they have a lot of good music <laughs> on apple right? i mean I you, you brought up an interesting thing too sherlyn where you're paying your local you yes, know yoga i'd studio rather to do pay this. my so local people yeah <laughs> all this you know the apple stuff is great and i think all these things are great for people who are just really reluctant to start doing things because hey I, i'm that person too working out is like a big effort for me but mm-hmm. if you do end up liking this and you do want to like support local businesses because everything is kind of screwed up right now like <laughs> hey that is much more useful than you know the fitness plus subscription will ever be yeah and then for those who don't want to pay money there's always of course the free options still you can yeah. of course still go to instagram live you can still follow these instructors on instagram and they post a lot of like instructions or tutorials and guides there but the apple plus thing seems like it uh, it doesn't only just give you videos right it also connects with the new apple watches to show you some data yes um from what i understand when you start a fitness plus Mm -hmm. workout it will also start on your watch if you're wearing Mm -hmm. one um and if i understood it correctly that when the instructor calls Mm -hmm. out like oh look at your heart rate like check where it is like it'll actually be able to show you like your watch will like enlarge that piece of data so you can see it more clearly and i think it will also be shown on the screen yeah um like wherever you're watching it like on your ipad or on your apple tv wherever you might be watching it um so that's really interesting um and also if you if you pause the workout on your ipad or wherever you're watching it it will also pause on your watch which i think is cool um yeah so i feel like I feel like Apple will really excel with that integration, you mm-hmm. know, which that's a, one of the ma- stories <laughs> of Apple, right? Like if, if you, if you have Apple products, yeah. they work very well together. Yeah. So um, now if you have Apple services, they will work very well with Apple products. You if, know? Is it yeah. only on, sorry, one quick last question mm-hmm. about fitness plus working on Apple devices. Is it only on Apple TVs and iPads and things, or can I use it on like a Chromecast? Do we know yet? 
I don't know. I would probably it's say Chrome. not no, no. yet to Chromecast. Because yeah. they don't they don't really support Chromecasting for, no, for anything not. just yet. Although it would be interesting to see how this works with like the Apple TV apps that are built mm-hmm. into some TVs now, because I could see the whole iTunes library and some, you know, some cool Apple stuff. So that would be interesting. Uh my thing is I'm just wondering, like, I want more companies to go at Peloton because as much as as nice as those machines seem and as great as their services seem, it's so expensive. It's so, so expensive. And there are so many other devices out there that can do similar things to Peloton at a much cheaper price. So I'm glad Apple's at least doing that much because this could be useful for a lot of people. I mean, to to Valentina's point, she mentioned Fitbit has the premium service that I've also tried, by the way, lately. And yeah, Fitbit's like workout guides are great on the watch itself. And the, but they're the same three since the Fitbit, I want to say Ionic, the Mm on-screen tutorial. They're like seven minute abs and 10 minute workout or warm up. And I'm just like, okay, I need more than just these three. But you get those um, more in the Fitbit premium, but it's still fairly basic it looks like and it's more like almost feels more like stop motion sometimes than mm-hmm. a few a real video but anyway there's also um so let's talk about pricing a little bit fitness plus is what 9.99 a month or 79 a year and yes yeah, so you get three months free if you buy a watch uh a new watch and then the peloton is 12.99 a month for without a machine otherwise it's like what 39.99 a month and then mm-hmm. the Fitbit premium is also $9.99 a month. So Apple's not like undercutting Fitbit, but they are beating Peloton, I think, on price. Yeah, 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 yeah. And by the way, this is all part of the the whole crazy new Apple One <laughs> subscription thing that they announced, yes. which is, let's just break this down real quick. Because yes. Apple One is their base, their new bundled base subscription for 15 bucks a month. You get Apple Arcade, Music, Apple TV Plus, and iCloud, 50 gigabytes of that. You could bump up to a family plan for, you know, 20 bucks a month, but mm-hmm. it is the, like the higher tier, the premi- the premier tier, I guess, <laughs> which includes Fitness Plus and News Plus for uh, 30 bucks a month. So that <laughs> it's interesting to see where Apple is going because they have all these services. They used to be really bad at services in general, um, mm-hmm. but now they have enough that they can offer bundles and offer significant discounts for, you know, Apple customers who are already investing in some of these like you know i i pay for apple tv plus actually mm-hmm. i don't know the i don't think the year is that you might have the, year, the free yeah. year i got last year yeah. yeah but um i have apple music through i think cell phone service or something but it is nice to have yeah too. it's nice to have a lot of these things bundled together even though it gets so expensive when you look at it if your whole family is on ios devices or apple devices and you pay this one fee for everybody then it starts to be really useful but then it really locks you in to apple yep because exactly. then your Definitely. kids and your family and I don't know your parents if they're on your plans like no one's getting an Android phone you know everyone is within this ecosystem it's convenient but this is the trap um, we're seeing Microsoft kind of doing the same <laughs> thing with Xbox mm. it's super convenient but yeah there is going to be a downside down the line as you start to try to leave the ecosystem right well speaking of that ecosystem mm-hmm. there are two more products physical or hardware products anyway that uh, Apple launched this week the iPad eighth generation and the iPad Air. Uh, and we have hands-on up already with the iPad 8th generation, which is basically an update to their base model iPad, right? Their cheapest mm-hmm. uh, iPad model. We talked briefly about this on also the post show. And I think uh, first from the hands-on impression, it's a very basic slate, but with mm-hmm. some useful updates, right? But I think a big criticism of it online anyway, is that it starts with about 32 gigs of storage at the base level, sure. which is... Which is what they've been doing for years. It just feels seems like, a like crime. not enough right now. Yeah. Yeah. 
Valentina, do you use iPads? Oh yeah. I mean, I don't, I don't have the base mm-hmm. iPad. I actually invested a little while ago in the 11 inch iPad pro. Um, cause I do a lot of like digital art Ooh. stuff. Um, and You're I so wanted that second generation Apple pencil. <laughs> um, but the, I mean, the, I feel like the, the main thing about the base iPad is the value, okay, yeah. right? I mean, yes, for us, um, I know people like us who are really into tech will see 32 gigabytes as just like you said, right, right, right. <laughs> um, but there are some people where that will be enough mm-hmm. for them. I think, um, they're like, I have family members who that would absolutely be enough for them. Like, especially on an iPad where you're not necessarily taking a lot of photos right. or storing right, a lot of right. videos, you're really using it as a entertainment consumption device or a web browser, you, you know, like it just mm-hmm. depends on how you're using mm-hmm. it. Um, so yeah, I, I, I do wish that the base iPad had more storage, but I understand why they're keeping mm-hmm. it that low because they also want to keep the price really friendly to a lot yeah, of people. Yeah, I, I have a two-year-old base one, so it's super slow, much worse than this, but Ooh. 32 gigabytes of storage doesn't really matter because it's all Netflix and HBO Max and, you know, playing My Neighbor Totoro over and over <laughs> for my daughter. That's really all it is. And video chats. It's all about the streaming. But I do remember... Wasn't it the iPhones where Apple stuck with 16 gigabytes, I think, for way too long or yeah, something? Yes. Like, yeah, way yes. too long. Way too long. And that was also criminal. Like, this is their thing. It's a shame because storage is one of the most expensive things on these devices. But it's a shame that Apple is just, like, re- reiterating this whole thing. But mm-hmm. it's a good deal, you know, if you know what you're getting. Definitely. Mm-hmm. I mean, one of the new things that Chris Velasco pointed out in his hands-on that was new with the 8th generation iPad is the chipset, which is an A12 Bionic uh, which is yep. the same one that is in the iPhone XR, XS, and XS Max. They're somewhat mm-hmm. old, but for an eight, for like a cheaper tablet, yeah. I guess it's, it's fine. Two it's two years old. That's fine. That's great. It's two years old. Yeah. By the time you like, mm-hmm. if you buy this and you use it for another two years, then it'll be four yeah. years old, which is, yeah. I guess, time to upgrade. Then um, <laughs> well, I'm sorry. Go ahead, Valentina. Oh no. Well, I was going to say that the seventh generation iPad, the one that this replaces. Right. That essentially had a four-year-old yeah, chipset, yeah. like when it was retired. You know what I mean? So oh it kind of seems like Apple has their own timeline <laughs> for these base-level iPads. But yeah, it'll certainly be. Um, I, like I said, I have not had a hands-on time with mm-hmm. that. Chris Velasco has, but I just think from the spec sheet alone, like it'll certainly be a better, um, faster iPad than if you were to go for the seventh <laughs> generation. You know, it still has that like old school-ish design to it right like the Mm -hmm. bezels on the top and bottom are still kind of thick there's still like a physical home button i believe yeah it looks from the pictures Mm -hmm. like there is so it's it's i don't know to me now it feels a little dated the screen is not as good i believe it's not laminated so like you'll feel yeah you'll feel a little difference between what you're seeing on the screen and the glass but hey it's 329 and here's the best thing these things go on sale quite a bit so Mm. if you wait till like wait till the end of the year or even like early next year i got my i think it was a sixth gen ipad but i i paid like 230 bucks for it you know and that was two years ago Mm -hmm. so if you wait and just wait and look out for deals this will probably come down quite a bit and Mm. it'll be even more useful to a lot of people there but yeah the air i feel like is the one that's really exciting a lot of us i know i think (laughs) we were talking about chipsets and like the air is where apple chose whether they were forced to or not to debut the a14 bionic chipset and it seems mm-hmm. really intriguing uh i missed the first time i heard the announcement i missed the fact that it was five nanometers so like holy crap wow yeah. Yeah. um davinder you seem to know a bit more about the chipset here you want to tell us about it i mean it's it seems good i, di- I didn't look specifically into this but yeah. i do think it's in it's interesting that 
we're seeing this first on the iPad. That's been done before, but just yes. the fact that this is going to be the new chip in the iPhone, I don't know, 12 series or whatever they end up yeah. calling it. Like this is going to be their new flagship chip design and seeing it come on the iPad Air is interesting mm. too, because it almost seems like they're treating the iPad Air kind of like how they used to treat the MacBooks. And mm. this bodes well for like the Intel, not the Intel, the Arcane. Apple chip powered right. Macs coming <laughs> next year. We don't yes. know how powerful this chip is, but could be really good. And just everything, it's not just this, everything we're seeing on the iPad Air, even though it's $100 more than it was last year, mm. just seems super compelling. It looks really nice. The build and the colors really it seemed good. Oh, that green. It seemed like a good, yeah. <sighs> Seems like a good iPad Pro alternative for a lot of people. Like I, I would easily, you know, use this thing for typing and everyday, you know, news reading and stuff. The uh, iPad Air, though, it seems like comes a little close to the iPad Pro in terms yeah, of what it yeah. can do. And what is the mm -hmm. iPad Pro a bit more expensive here than than the Air? So what are you really paying for in terms of differences if if mm -hmm. if you opt for an Air instead of a Pro or Pro yeah. instead of an Air? I, I mean, Valentina, I, I know you have your experience with the Pro, but it's really that faster refresh rate that you mm -hmm. get with the Pro screens. Mm -hmm. Like that is that is where all screens are it's going. So nice. It's mm -hmm. very nice. It's so smooth and. Yeah, still faster hardware too, I believe, and more storage and some nicer accessories. Like it's a little more more premium, you know. That's good. Mm -hmm. There's also there's also the uh, actually I'm not sure if this is on the air. Correct me mm -hmm. if I'm wrong, but that the updated camera on, that's on the Pro that's has all the new yeah. AR capabilities. They said it was stuff. the same sensor, um, I'm not sure but I don't know that. if everything came over. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Gotcha. Mm -hmm. Gotcha. So yeah, that's one thing that the Pro has right now. Um, so yeah, but I mean, it's really that screen though, the refresh rate on the screen is really nice. Um, especially if you're like a creative mm -hmm. or something, um, or just really want like the best screen possible. I feel like that's a real advantage of the pros. Mm -hmm. Are you guys excited about either iPad? Like <laughs> I'm, I'm excited about the air, but I'm not gonna, you know, pay that much for that's kind of the money I'd reserve for a laptop. So it's like, we're getting mm -hmm. to that point where I always thought of tablets as like these sub $500 machines where they're nice secondary devices, but maybe not a primary. And I think mm -hmm. the air is getting there, especially with like the keyboard stand mm -hmm. and everything. Although once you start adding those things in and the pencil too and everything, once you add those in, these it gets yeah. expensive. It adds you up. add in more storage, um, you add really in does. all the accessories. Yeah, it, it seems kind of crazy in a way, but hey, it's uh, I like this competition because Microsoft is essentially doing the same thing with the surface pros and i generally like those things too yeah this will be and a far samsung. better tablet than a surface <laughs> pro so yeah yes. i mean samsung's also right with the galaxy tab s7 plus that it just uh announced has that high refresh rate screen has that really beefy processor and some of these like pen mm -hmm. capabilities that are a little bit different from the apple pencil but are still pretty good uh it seems like two-in-one tablets are making a comeback i'm not i'm not sure how i feel about that i mean it was it was really just <laughs> Sam, microsoft for a while uh pushing the whole yes. the whole industry samsung i'd say the good thing about their tablets was like oled you know they had some good oh OLED yeah their screens are gorgeous but did they, is that still around yes the well uh the tablet? s7 the s7 plus is uh amoled and the s7 is lcd um mm. we'll see we'll see soon mm. enough uh what what yeah. these are like but anyway uh it seems like one of our main takeaways from the apple event too was that the value option seems like something apple is paying attention to now right with the se yeah, with the sure. cheaper base ipad definitely um i mean is this like you think we can expect something like that from the iphone 12 series <laughs> event or no i mean that was the se too right 
So there is an SE2, uh, 2020. Yeah, SE2. Yeah. And also, to a certain extent, the 10R. Yeah. Yeah. You know. yeah. And even the 5Cs um, way back when. Oh, yeah. yeah. Way wow. back when. Back I know. Day. What a throwback. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, we don't know what to expect from the iPhone 12 event yet. But dear listener, dear viewer, if you have any thoughts about what the iPhone 12 should have, you should send them to us at podcast at Engadget.com. Meanwhile, I'm this sure, has been yeah. a great Apple chat. <laughs> it's great. And I'm sure we'll be hearing more about the iPhone news soon. So Ooh, yeah. we will not have to wait long. Yeah. Not that long. Valentina, do you have any final thoughts for us? Um, no, I think we covered most of the news in pretty good depth. So yeah, yeah I think I'm good. Well, thank you for joining us on the podcast. Yeah, no problem. Thanks for having me. Okay, folks, let's move on to some other news happening this week. Uh, the Oculus Connect, actually, no, Facebook Connect event <laughs> happened this week where they announced the Oculus Quest 2 which I already reviewed, so go check that out. Mm-hmm. Um, and this thing is pretty great. I think it's a improvement over the original Quest in pretty much every way. It is $299. It has sharper displays that are close to $2K per eye. Um, it has kind of a revamped uh, head strap system, which I think is technically cheaper. But actually for me, and it is more flexible. It's, mm-hmm. uh, it's almost like elastic-like. Uh, it is... I would say overall more consumer friendly. The controllers are better. It has mm. like a uh, slightly light gray coloring too. So it's vaguely Apple-esque rather mm. than like the stealth black from before, which I always <laughs> associate with like PC gamer stuff. It is a really good headset. And it's uh, shocking that this thing is $299 um, for mobile VR, you know, for untethered VR, not hooking up to a phone, not hooking up to a PC. It is fantastic. Like there are just so many apps now. There are a lot of great games. I do feel like, you give up. You still give up a little uh, yeah. in terms of graphics fidelity for mobile VR because I was playing Moss, which is the game with the cute little mouse um, with the sword. No, why you know, did you say mouse? <laughs> yeah, it is a mouse. No. Um, but sorry, Sherlyn, uh, oh, I got to yeah. gift you this okay. game because Sherlyn has a mouse God, phobia. No, 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 so no, I just no, really want to get it in there. Um, but I love Moss and playing it on the mobile mode. I just realized, man, I'm losing a lot of graphical fidelity here. I don't have as uh, you know, I, the forest doesn't look as lush. Uh, the environment just doesn't look as good. But then I plugged the Oculus Quest 2 into my gaming PC with a USB-C cable. Oh, you can do that. Okay. And I was able to play Moss, you know, with uh, with full desktop graphics. And that is the beauty of this device. Because late last year, Facebook announced Oculus Link, which is a feature that lets you connect the headset to your PC uh, over a really fast cable. And essentially, you're you're going to be viewing a video stream of the VR stuff being rendered from your PC. So it's kind of convoluted, but the idea is you can use the standalone headset as a PC VR headset. Now it's two ninety nine, and yeah. it can do both things, and that is astounding to me. So I'm really excited by this. I do feel like it is going to be like the big mass um, VR device that we've kind of been waiting for. Mm -hmm. Facebook says that they're going to make a bigger push for it too. They're actually going to be able to build more of these things too. I don't know if that's going to be like a, uh, something with their factory. Um, But the problem with the first quest is that they just couldn't build enough. It was always out of stock. People really had trouble getting it. So they're going to be building more. They're making a bigger push into Japan. 
which is a good sign for gamers because that is, you know, the holy land of gaming. So they're having Japanese developers involved. Uh, Tetsuya Mizuguchi, you know, I think he was even talking at Facebook Connect, but mm. Res Infinite is there. Space Channel 5 um, is going to be in there as well. Like, uh, there's just so much going on. It is a really good value and I think a really good step forward for VR. <laughs> There are some potential downsides. Um, this is the first device where Facebook is requiring a Facebook account to use it, which is, it's annoying, but hey, guys, they bought, they bought Oculus, what was it, four years ago? Yeah. When they bought Oculus, this is what was going to happen. So I understand the downsides for it. And I was really worried about what would happen to Oculus under Facebook too. In general, it seems like Facebook has given them a lot of resources and pushed development in a lot of different ways. I do feel like um, one thing they're doing because they're doubling down on the Quest 2 so much is that mm -hmm. they're essentially giving up on the Rift and the Rift S, which mm -hmm. that thing launched last year alongside the first Quest. I kind of hated it because it was a stripped down, not very high quality desktop VR headset. And it was still mm -hmm. uh, $399, just like the Quest. Mm -hmm. By the time Facebook launched Oculus Link and this Quest could just do everything, the Rift S seemed pointless. So Facebook says... By spring, they're going to stop selling the Rift S. They're doubling down the Quest, which is, hey, it makes sense from a lot of different angles. Um, and this thing can really compete with high-end PC VR headsets, too. It actually has a higher resolution screen than uh, even the Valve Index. And that thing mm. costs, you know, a thousand bucks with all the sensors and everything. So there is a lot of good hardware in here. I do worry that Facebook may be disconnecting a bit from the you know, high-end PC VR hardware, but... Hey, this seems like a good balance. And this kit, I think, is really good. But yeah, any thoughts, Sherlyn, on this? I mean, Would I you said that you're worrying that they're disconnecting from the high-end PC VR market. Yeah. I think that that's a smart play. I think that sure. making yeah. a standalone it's not a big like market. That, yeah. It's not a it's not the hugest market. And $299 is a good price to hit for like a more mainstream audience like me. I'm actually interested in buying this thing for myself. A, mm -hmm. because Beat Saber actually is a lot of fun. Oh my um, god. <laughs> No, no, no. Charlene, do not buy this because no. I do have a feeling we will end up in a black mirror scenario where <laughs> nobody has heard from you for a week and they have to break into your apartment and they just this find you playing, possible. you know, angry birds while laying down in a coma. Oh my God. Overcooked bed. in yeah. VR. Yeah. Oh Overcooked in VR while so you're laying happy. down. This is the end of Charlene. Okay. Just to reiterate, Charlene does not care if she dies. Therefore, <laughs> VR... Uh. but but and yeah we can always recount the time i showed up to one of our uh reporter uh -huh. meetings with the whole team with a vr headset on my face but but um <laughs> no i think that this price point's really good i think that the quality improvements sound very promising i wasn't aware that you could hook it up to a pc to like get the extra power yeah yeah tape, yeah like... sherlyn you have not read my stuff for the past year no because Thank i've been you. writing my stuff it super clear <laughs> Make it super clear. But yeah, so by the way, Oculus Link is coming out of beta soon, mm -hmm. I believe this month. Um, so if you have the original Quest, you're going to get, you, you know, that's still a good headset. You're going to get even better Link support. Um, mm. I do feel like like the Quest is just such a good thing. It's, it's a great VR entry point for people who don't have powerful PCs. But even if you do, it is the one headset that can do everything. And you don't have to set oh. up any crazy sensors like yeah. you do for the Rift or for the Five or even yeah. for the Index. Um, have you, have you just a lot less setup. Mm -hmm. uh, I mean, you reviewed it. What are your thoughts on the battery life? I know it's not super important, but what what are your thoughts on the I battery? I mean, it's it's important. I got like between two hours and two and a half hours right. on a charge, which was a little less than what I was seeing on the first Quest. But mm -hmm. this thing is doing a lot more. It has a faster processor. It is the first device with the Snapdragon XR2, XR2. chip. 
XR2, which is based on, I think, the 865, um, but it is fast. It's much faster than before. I think that's noticeable with everything you're doing. So mm-hmm. this is just a great piece of hardware. Um, for $299, you get 64 gigabytes of storage, which usable. These VR, like mobile VR games tend to be like maybe one or two gigabytes at most. So you're not going to fill that up super fast. But if you spend yeah. 100 bucks more, you get 256 gigabytes, which I think that is a good investment. You know, Mm -hmm. that's going to last you a couple of years. These are good screens. This is a good device just for like laying down and vegging and watching Netflix. Um, This, this is the like premier consumer VR device. I've been waiting for it for so long. There are certainly downsides uh, like the count thing I mentioned. Um, I feel like most of the reviews have been uh, super positive, but Ars Technica, uh, Sam (laughs) Moscovich over there, uh, had a really negative review. And I think it's really important to read that one too, because certain things about the fit, um, the way IPD works, which is kind of annoying because you have to physically move the sensors. There's no longer mm-hmm. a dial underneath the, you oh, know, no. the actual unit. Um, that's not great. That's weird. It's kind of clunky. It's not like finely tuned IPD like it was before. There are only three settings. So mm-hmm. that's not going to work as well for everybody. So I think those things could be annoying, but I like some of the changes. I think the head strap works okay. Like, it's kind of annoying to put on for the first time, but yeah. it works well once you figure it out. The new controllers are better because they're bigger. And okay. my problem with the last one was that they were a little too small or they weren't super ergonomic. There was also nowhere to rest your thumb. And that's right. super important right. when I you're in VR. I was bothered by because, that, yeah. Yeah. Um, so this one has like the slightly bigger uh, game pad that uh, mm-hmm. the original Oculus Touch controllers had. And that it gives you a place to rest your thumb. And to me, that is super helpful because you're going to be holding these things for a while. You're going to be doing a lot of VR stuff. I played games like uh, Beat Saber, but the the big one, it's the gun game, the shooting (laughs) game, whose name? Gods uh, of War? Pistol Whip. Pistol Whip, which is the one that like is sort of like if John Wick met EDM. You know, like it is very much a beat game while you're like going down and shooting people. So like you're making music while doing like crazy action stuff. It's fun. I really like super hot. That's like my main thing. So overall takeaway, this is a really good headset. I think it's a good deal for a lot of yeah. people. And if you see, here's the thing, you may see some quest units. I, I don't know, um, on sale, like the first one, just wait for this one. I think it's a big enough upgrade that it is the one most people should be investing in. And, um, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, so there's that And Oculus Con- uh, Facebook connect. Also, like they gave us a lot of different details too. Like uh, Facebook talked about this thing they're doing called Project Aria, mm. which is not Project Aura, which is Something Google's else. thing. Yeah. That was Google's thing for like motion sensing and um, 3D mapping and stuff. Mm-hmm. Project Aria is Facebook's new research thing for uh, AR glasses. And they showed off these prototype devices that will basically map the world um, the sensors will you know be able to determine a lot of data. Uh, people will see things on these glasses too like it's going to be like google glass kind of ramped up all the way they're actually going to be sending people out into the world hundreds of workers who are going to be wearing facebook shirts and these crazy glasses and just to warn you that hey we are recording everything we see around you which hey that's a little that seems suspect um last year when it was called Oculus Connect, uh, Facebook talked about their plan to basically create a 3D map of the entire world. And our colleague, Jessica Condit, wrote a re- she wrote a really great piece about living in Facebook's world. Um, so go check that out. Mm-hmm. I, I believe the title is something like, "If uh, yeah, if Facebook creates the VR world, we're all living in it. Um, and it's about the downsides of that. 
that's a great piece. And I think it's a good setup for what's happening now because these Project Aria headsets, they're not going to be released to people, but Facebook mm -hmm. is starting to make this database of 3D maps. They said that they're going to be working with Ray-Ban, I believe one other glasses manufacturer, to deliver a consumer AR headset by next year. So we'll see. It sounds this very Black Mirror-like. It sounds very this Black Mirror-like. Yeah, and this is, like, here's the thing. If Oculus was still an independent company, I don't think they'd be able to explore all this cool, you know, the cool True. new stuff. I don't know how much of the Facebook AR is related to Oculus. That is through Facebook Mixed Reality Labs, which is a whole yeah. separate organization. But these are all the things that are happening. I think it's really interesting, but I am worried about the move towards AR because here's the thing. We can't trust Facebook with anything. Anything at know, all. That's what I was like. Any like I was going to leaks. say this yeah. makes me uncomfortable. It, I feel yeah. very weird about Facebook doing this. Just this leak alone, like this week alone, there was one leak from one of the Facebook um, safety workers or the like uh, the authenticity workers, I believe. But it was a former worker who wrote about how she felt she was basically uh, had this wheel, this crazy power over so much of the world because of the way she moderated Facebook um, disinformation and fake likes and fake accounts and things like that. This is a company that doesn't quite know how to handle the power that it really wields. So yeah. giving them AR, giving them a fully 3D, 3D map world, I am, I'm worried about it. But uh, for now, you can, uh, you know, you could just live in VR and forget about the world a bit about, you know, uh, forget about the troubles of the world in VR. Uh, <laughs> once you get out of VR, we're going to all be in Facebook's AR world and then the apocalypse no. will certainly happen. <laughs> Another big thing that happened this week is we had a Sony PlayStation 5 game stream event where everyone was sitting and waiting <laughs> for more details about pricing because yes. Microsoft basically spilled all the beans last week. Yes. And we got it. So Yay. the PlayStation 5 is going to be $500, the proper PlayStation 5, just like the Xbox Series X. But the digital edition is going to be $400, which mm -hmm. is interesting because that puts, you know, that is really powerful hardware. That's that device is going to be, you know, 100 bucks cheaper than the Series X and only 100 bucks more than the Xbox Series S, which I talked about last week. Not the Series, that, right, that's right, yeah. Yeah, the Series S is $299, and that one is not going to do a lot of 4K gaming, but it can mm. upscale things. Um, that one is going to be more, you know, more centered on people who don't care about the super, super high resolution stuff. Mm -hmm. To me, that is a great deal, but I think for a lot of gamers, 400 bucks is going to be the sweet spot for getting the hardware that can do 4K rendering, right. that can do play all the modern games and everything. You don't get a disc with the 400, like you don't get a disc drive with right. a $400 model. So you're living with digital downloads, yep. which um, I don't know if I'd want to do that for Sony. Just huh. because like I've been living the digital life mainly for Xbox and most mm -hmm. of my systems, right? I don't buy discs that much. But every time I have to download something from the PlayStation Store, <laughs> it takes five to ten times longer than wow. it would on xbox and i think a lot of that's due to sony's server setup like server sony is just mm. not a cloud connected company in the way that microsoft is they don't just have huge data farms all over the world so they can't just push these things out faster i hope they really fix that because that is going to be essential to you know to both of these platforms so that's the news you know pricing 400 500 bucks i think now we know the landscape of next gen gaming and I think people are going to have a lot of choices to make. Um, one thing we did see is last night, um, apparently they kicked off pre-orders without really Ooh. announcing it on the stream. And people saw, were yeah. fighting, like people were <laughs> fighting so hard to get pre-orders. And 
every retailer kind of failed. Like they couldn't yeah. keep up with the demand. Of course. Uh, most people who were trying to make orders like were, were basically jumping across different retailers. It was really difficult. And this whole thing just seems kind of like a kind of like a shit show. Like it is not it is not organized. It doesn't yeah. feel great as a consumer to be fighting to yeah. it's basically like survival of the nerdiest. The people it's, who can find all the links and click <laughs> fastest and get their order in fastest will get this console, maybe. But maybe. for a lot of people, especially for parents, you may be left out. Uh yeah. we'll see what happens like as we get closer to launch. Um, Isn't it shipping November or something? Yeah. It is shipping in November. I forget the exact date. Was it? It was like 13 or something. I can't remember the yeah, exact date yeah. either, but I remember it was like in November and mm -hmm. people are just like scrambling over the pre-orders right now. So. Yep. Okay. 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 I, and what crucially, crucially one thing, there is no like subscription financing deal. Like what oh, you have Microsoft to pay up front? offers. I mean, yeah. Like, like, like Ooh. a normal console, like a normal device. I'm sure you can buy it through a retailer that'll, right. that can help you finance things. But I think the one, one of the really key things about what Microsoft is doing is that they're making next gen gaming more accessible through mm. the Xbox all access program, mm. which is 25 bucks a month for the series S or 35 bucks a month for the series X, which both finances the console with zero interest and gives you game pass ultimate, which has a ton <laughs> of like ton of games, ton of value, X cloud streaming, uh, backwards compatibility, like, you know, old games will be able to come in <laughs> through Game Pass too. There's a lot of good stuff there. Sony doesn't quite have that. They're really banking on their exclusives. They did announce yeah. a PlayStation Plus kind of like an extension thing where some of the most popular games will just be available for free, like God of War and Last of Us Remastered. But mm. what Sony is doing does feel like they're just giving you the games most PlayStation owners already have just for free as part of PlayStation Plus, I don't feel like that's the same as the hundreds of games you'll get on that Game Pass. So, yeah, that that is where we're at. So it looks like, what, November 12th in some countries and then November 19th, mm -hmm. a week later for the rest of the world. Um, yeah. What do you think I should get, Dev? If I'm looking to buy my first <laughs> big girl gaming console. Your big girl gaming the console? Xbox I Series think, um... S or the PlayStation Digital Edition? I think you would be best off with the Xbox Series S. Like, okay. just, like, yeah, you have, I, I see your TV behind you, Sherlyn. Shut that up. That looks like at least, uh, <laughs> I could just judge it from here. That's at least over a five-year-old Samsung. I could tell from oh, the bezels. Yes. Um, but, hey, even if it's 4K TV, it, it'll be fine. I don't think you need native 4K rendering because you, unless you're standing, like, a foot from the TV or two feet and playing games like that. I don't even have like a 4K that, TV. I'm good. Oh, okay. So yeah, you you have a Samsung Plasma from maybe ten years. Don't ago? even stop I'm stop judging my poor TV. This was mm, a secondhand mm. freebie from um, my dear friend Alex Kranz. Okay. <laughs> oh. Well, Alex has good taste in TVs. So shout out to Alex Kranz. She does. Um, but hey, if you have a 1080p TV, if you have an early generation 4K TV that doesn't have maybe like the newer features like HDMI 2.1 and uh, yeah, the Xbox Series S. We'll serve you fine, and mm. I think just go for that, Sherlyn. Maybe do okay. the uh, the Xbox All Access thing because I'm interested Game in Pass that, yeah. is the key. Game Pass is key because there's so many games you don't you don't yes. really have to go yes. buy new games. Yeah, and Game Pass you get the first party stuff you know immediately too on launch yeah. day. So yeah, that's definitely interesting. You know, Can we'll I tell be you reviewing funny? both. <laughs> so just saying that I am I am I have my like feelings about who I like. But I'm reviewing both, and I'm interested in seeing where things go. But yeah, Sherlyn, what's up? Uh, I, I I think I will go with the Xbox Game Pass option because I, mm -hmm. I would pick the PlayStation 5 Digital Edition, except for the downloads sound like they're going to be a pain. So 
I didn't. Maybe they'll fix that. But also, the Series S. The nice thing about it too is it it's tiny. It's a it's a yeah. tiny boy. So you yeah. can fit it in anywhere. It's not going to take up too much space, and you'll still have like a huge library of games to play. Uh, you know, come at me in the comments, folks. Come at me on Twitter. But <laughs> this is the way things are right now. I think the gamers are happy with the PlayStation pricing, but. Mm. I can't, I don't know how they feel about this really horrendous pre-order situation. So we'll see what's up, but uh, what's going on with you, Sherlyn? So I, this didn't go on with me, but I, um, you seem to really enjoy this news. I know, I know. I can't even, I don't know how I feel about it. This is LG, uh, announced the LG wing wing this week. And, uh, our, our, uh, one of our editors, Richard Lai has made the funny pun, sure wing low, which good for Mm. you. Well done. Um, the wing is LG's take on a dual screen phone but it is kind of strange yeah by by the way all you have to do is say lg and be like yeah whatever they do is kind of strange but go ahead you need a whimsical tone thing to be like lg or something like just this is lg's thing now um it's called the lg wing 5g it's a so-called dual screen phone basically it presents as mm-hmm. like on, on first glance, you're gonna think it's a 6.8 inch screen <laughs> on the front, which is a POLED. It's running 1080p. Mm-hmm. There's a 32 megapixel pop up camera. Uh, there's a triple camera system on the back. It looks pretty normal. And then pop up camera too. What? <laughs> yeah, I know. And a pop up camera. We didn't even. <laughs> yeah. Uh huh. But what you can do with this front screen is flip it out, kind of like slide yeah. it out on a swivel, and then have it sit on top of the phone it's like perpendicular so it's like a big t yeah yeah Yeah. and then you're left with a uh smaller 3.9 inch screen on the bottom that you can use for like chat apps or whatever while you watch a video up top for example (laughs) or use the cameras up top um or whatever it is google maps whatever you want to keep up top you can use Mm -hmm. it as a t in that formation like you're holding up a big cross on your hand or you can flip okay. it <laughs> i know you can flip it horizontally and so the smaller 3.9 inch screen will be on the left the big 6.7 ish screen will be on the right and do whatever else you might want i think that might make it harder to hold or if you're going yeah. to you know use the bigger screen more or as your primary thing that will be the way well, to like- hold it I'd Dude. say like so many of these crazy LG devices, because we also talked about the like dual quote unquote dual screen thing, which was just another screen, screen in a yeah. in a phone, you know, case pocket. Yeah. A lot of these things feel like LG's executives, their kids are playing around with like things. It's like the kids put together these things in weird <laughs> ways and they're like, huh, a perpendicular screen next to my <laughs> next to my tiny screen. This is genius. <laughs> LG, you know, the executives just say, hey, make this phone and they do this over and over again. I love uh, g- it, give me though. a phone that is somehow and- <laughs> bent. Give me a phone that's curved for no reason. Oh, LG. oh they, yeah, I Flex. loved it. Well, but they started. They started a lot of trends. Let's be back in its heyday. LG started a mm. lot of trends. LG was one of the first to move the fingerprint sensor to the back. Sure. Uh, and LG was the first to introduce a wide angle camera. At least the first major smartphone maker back then to introduce a wide angle uh, secondary camera. Um, and they did that curvy screen, the flex with the flex. The flex they, they introduced completely pointless, but it was curvy. Sure, okay, right. It just curved slightly, and that was great. <laughs> um, I will quote uh, Chris Velasco in his story about the LG Wing. He says, "I cannot give this company enough credit for its sheer goddamn temerity, because the Wing is an." at first glance, an absolutely ridiculous concept brought to life. But ridiculous yeah. was sort of the whole point. Now, 
the wing was part of LG's new Explorer project, which is an in-house sure, sure. sort of thing to help foster smartphone design innovation. Um, there's, I, it seems like we're getting expect more out of this LG Explorer initiative in the yeah. future. Are they are they actually going to sell this, or is this just like, hey, here's a concept? So laugh at it, internet. They're going to sell it. Uh, the Ugh. the. Yeah, what V, what Chris says in his story is that the Explorer initiative is not going to live or die based on the Wings sales. If mm-hmm. uh, LG said that it would remain committed to the Explorer project, even if the Wing winds up being a total dud in the market, which who knows, right? Like it might actually not sell. Uh, sure. I, let me double check what the price of this thing might be. But it is also, by the way, a five G phone. So whoop oh, whoop de do. Verizon will probably have better company. Is going to carry it, so it'll probably have better five G reception because of it's a big T that you can sit <laughs> on a street corner and look at the five G node and get you know faster speed. So, so many this is what five G phones have to look like. You need big antennas. Yeah. <laughs> Anyhow, it was just a fun piece of news to come out this week in a week that was slammed sure, with all sure, kinds sure. of news. So I thought that was something we should you know talk about here in the podcast for a little you know fun and light. We need, we definitely need like an LG theme. I'm thinking of like when people made the uh, the comparison between No Man's Sky, the uh, you know promo trailer for No Man's Sky versus oh the shipping launch game, and it went from like the full Jurassic Park theme to like the broken, busted oh MIDI gosh. Jurassic Park theme. That is what I feel like when I look at LG phones sometimes. But oh. hey, I love LG TVs. Keep up the innovation, yeah. guys. We love talking about all this stuff. Yeah. Let's move on to what we've been working on. And this has been a super busy week for me. It's I know it has been for you too, Sherlyn. But real quick, I just want to say I threw up my review of NVIDIA's RTX 3080 GPU. This is their mm-hmm. first Ampere GPU that's hit the market. This is their, you know, uh, 699, like high-end one. Um, or at least, I don't know, technically mid-range? I don't know. This is their fastest one, under $1,000. Yeah. The card is incredible. It is super fast. Go check out our reviews. But in many cases... 4K speeds, uh, you know, 4K benchmarks I saw were twice as fast as the 2080 Ti, which is shocking because that card sold for a thousand bucks and sometimes more for the Founders Edition. So this is a pretty good deal here. The ray tracing works even better within 4K too. So I feel like that's all super useful. I was able to play Control with 4K uh, and the NVIDIA DLSS mode, and that that's the whole thing where NVIDIA upscales lower mm. res textures to kind of to make kind of make them render better but 4k with dlss and ray tracing i was able to see control between like 50 and 60 fps which is not great when you think of other pc games at this point but for control which was so super demanding uh that is astounding so the game looked great i got some mm-hmm. 4k ish stuff on plain 4k uh wolfenstein youngblood i saw like 120 fps with just 4k no ray tracing so this thing is fast. It screams. It's super good. Check out my review. Um, I feel like the one I'm I'm really excited for is the 499 model, the RTX 3070, yeah. which is a little more affordable, still also faster than the 2080 Ti, but I think that's going to be the one a lot of gamers opt for, at mm-hmm. least until we hear about a 3060 that's going to be like, I don't know, 400 bucks cheaper, or 350 yeah. or something. like That's going to be cheaper. So this thing is good. Um, NVIDIA, I feel like, is a company that works does a good job of really promoting itself and, you know, really hyping things up. But in this case, I think they really succeeded. So check out that review, please. And I also wrote up, uh, this is a weird (laughs) thing. Intel sent me a Tiger Lake prototype 
reference system. So this mm -hmm. is something built by, you know, a, a, a decently known PC manufacturer, but it's an Intel computer, it has Intel branding, and it has the fastest Tiger Lake chip. So I just wrote that up this morning and uh, I ran it through some benchmarks and it's it's crazy fast. And actually, oh. I think for a lot of people, like for you, Sherlyn, this is going to be all you need for PC gaming oh, yeah. for a while. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, in Overwatch, I was able to run it in 720p, medium settings, and see between like 50 and 70 FPS, which is insane because this is graphics hardware that's essentially going to be um, kind of integrated. This is something bundled together right. with the chip. Um, it's This is the dedicated chip that's eventually mm -hmm. going to be in desktops and in you know more powerful computers down the line. But it is astounding to see what Intel has brought into what's essentially an ultra portable. You know, the machine I tested weighed three pounds. It was super thin. It's about comparable to like an XPS 13. So mm -hmm. for it to have 3D speeds like this, the 3D Mark benchmark was just like through the roof. It was in some cases like seven, I think four or five times faster than some wow. systems we saw earlier this year. So Intel has really made some graphics leaps. I'm very excited to see what these final systems will look like. And even the processor itself, PC Mark was several, it was at least a thousand points faster than the Ice Lake wow. chips we saw last year. So that is noticeable speed improvements. Uh, these things will support faster RAM. Uh, the Project Evo stuff, this wasn't a Project Evo certified machine, mm. but the Project Evo stuff is also worth um, getting excited for because that means, you know, guaranteed battery life, super fast startup. Mm -hmm. Basically, I'm very excited uh, to <laughs> see what these Tiger Lake systems will look like, and we're getting some in soon. So stay tuned, folks. Uh, it's going to be a good year to get a new laptop. Sherlyn, what are you up to? I uh, am always on two reviews nowadays for some reason. So I'm working <laughs> on two reviews that I can't, one of which I can't tell y'all about, um, but it's okay. going to be ready for you to read very, 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 very soon. So I would keep refreshing in gadget.com. Um, the other thing that I'm reviewing is the Fitbit Stens. I can actually say that I'm working on it. I have it and I'm doing <laughs> it. I'm actually about to go run off to our video producer uh, who's going to put me through a very grueling fitness <laughs> session to to really put this through its paces so i'm looking forward to doing that not really um shout out to brian O, who makes our new york videos look so uh, good but also such a talent and such a beautiful a person. demanding demanding fitness man so yeah very, good luck Sherlyn. yeah everyone who watches our review videos who notices the like the very adorable dog and the mm -hmm. very uh fit person in the background that's brian our video producer now um i'm also this week we heard announcements from well, on Sunday, Samsung announced that it's doing an Unpacked again, another Unpacked event on the 23rd. Uh. And this is for the fans. Uh, unpacked for every <laughs> fan. And the rumor uh, that people have been telling me on Twitter, at the very least, is that uh, this is for the fan edition phone, right? People are, are all waiting on some kind of S20 FE. We don't okay. know. I really have no idea. So we'll wait uh, and see. And I am hopeful that some sort of K-pop collaboration is on the way. Um, <laughs> on Monday, Google really threw me off my regular work schedule by announcing or sending out its launch night in invites. So this mm -hmm. is happening September 30th. We already know that Google is going to announce the Pixel 5, probably the Pixel 4a 5G. Uh, but it also, in its invite set, come for the news about our new Chromecast and new smart speakers. So... Google's hardware event now slated for September 30th. I'm very sure you can watch it with us here on Engadget uh, on our YouTube channel or check out Engadget.com for all our coverage. But yeah, preparing for those things is also 
what I'm trying not to die from. I'm just just gasping for air here. <laughs> All right, so what's keeping me alive is <laughs> when we're able to take some time off and relax and watch some TV. I have been watching some extremely terrible TV as usual um, mm. that the Avengers is going to be very disappointed by. I'm shocked. Yeah. <laughs> For the people who have been listening faithfully to this podcast, you will know that I started watching Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. a while back. I have finally finished all of it on Netflix, which is up to the second last season, which is season six, uh, which was a very strange Thor Ragnarok season. But anyway, <laughs> that's done. I'm I'm done slogging through it and it was great. Now my real um recommendations are two things. One, I don't know if you've heard of the Bastan trilogy. Um mm-hmm. it's a a, th- a series of three movies on Netflix. Uh it's a Spanish mm-hmm. language movie and uh it's the first title is The Invisible Guardian. The second title is The Legacy of the Bones and the third is Offering to the Storm. Uh, and it's basically a very interesting, almost supernatural criminal <laughs> movie. Like a, it's a it's a procedural drama where it follows this uh, detective or chief inspector of uh, the police force in the Basque or Baston area of Spain as she hunts down certain serial killers. It's actually very interesting. I mean, like it's not mm-hmm. the best movie. In fact, the Rotten Tomatoes score is uneven for the entire trilogy. Like one movie only got 20% and one got like 60 something percent. But where the... do you find these uh just these trashy things for Lynn? But okay. Well, it's not yeah. trashy. This one's actually not trashy. I actually really enjoyed this. I have um, heard I've heard it's just like if you find these random things to really <laughs> latch onto for your binges. So it's like okay. All right. Well, I think because of the way Netflix targets me, yeah. Um, yeah. they're like, you like stuff about <laughs> you this. like trash. No. Yeah. Um, this has like some, you know, it, it delves into the history of this part of Spain where there's been always mm-hmm. a lot of rumors about witchcraft and um, supernatural beings. And even though the movie keeps it very vague or very ambiguous as to whether there's real supernatural stuff going on. I mean, there's actual people who believe they're practicing witchcraft, right? right but there's right, no right, real right. like actual magic happening um which is strange because for me i don't like a movie that doesn't have real like magic going on in it right (laughs) why am i watching a movie if it's not supernatural come on but this one kept my attention i i've been i felt compelled to rewatch a few of them actually so i think that that's for me a sign that it's a it's an enjoyable one anyway i knew you were going to hate this one so i prepared one i haven't seen it so i don't know i'm just making fun of you but yeah (laughs) i know i prepared one more recommendation that uh i am actually surprised we didn't review for Engadget. This is the Korean mm-hmm. zombie movie called Hashtag Alive. And mm-hmm. I watched it this past weekend. It was surprisingly modern. It's basically about this game streaming guy uh, who goes by like a screen name Morris. And he, you know, a zombie pandemic or whatever it is, takes over Korea where he's in and he has to survive. And it's very like timely, A, because like he uses very modern equipment like a drone mm-hmm. to survive. He figures out like why doesn't he have a 3.5 millimeter headset to like try to tune into emergency broadcast? He like looks at all his gear and it's like <laughs> everything I own is wireless. And I'm like, oh shit, this That's is what so, I've been like, saying. It's That's so what great. I've been saying. Come on. I know. I know. And I, one of our listeners has been lamenting the loss of the headphone jacks for a while yeah, now. So I yeah. thought this was such a perfect little moment for that. <laughs> you know, this movie is just 
so in like in it fits our time but also at some point he sits and complains he goes i've been stuck at home for two days i've not even gone out i'm just like bro i've been stuck at home for six months like what are you talking about (laughs) (laughs) Uh, how does this compare to train to busan because i feel like that was the big train to busan is so that's more of an action movie yeah. It's very like Train to Busan's plot also moved better <laughs> in my opinion. This one, yeah. other than all the tech traits and the timeliness, it felt slightly generic in the sense that mm-hmm. a lot of the the typical zombie movie tropes came out, like the human that you can't trust, right? The right. the um how to survive with a yeah. person that you don't know, make an ally with a stranger, mm-hmm. that sort of thing. Those tropes are all in this mm-hmm. movie as well. It was really the fresh take on technology. <laughs> You'll see how a drone can be used to save your life. I think sure. that, that was very interesting. Well, hey, Charlene, I think you just volunteered yourself to write this movie up I for might. Engadget because you I need might. more work. If, so, yeah. If I ever do. have time ever again in my life, yes, I will. Yeah. <laughs> I'm still I'm looking forward to the Train to Busan sequel, which I yes, think Peninsula. was supposed to come out this year. Peninsula, yeah. I don't know if it's actually out yet, but I got to double check. It's out in Korea. Uh, it's just yeah. not out here or, or on streaming yet. Mm-hmm. But yeah, what are you going to recommend me this week, bruh? Uh, I don't I don't know if I'm recommending it to you. I'm recommending <laughs> okay. it to our, our readers because this is a yes. good show. And I feel yes. like you just, you really bounce I off of it. never. <laughs> but the thing I would like to recommend is Star Trek Lower Decks, which is the animated show that's on CBS All Access, which I think was just renamed to Paramount Plus, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but it is the animated show. It is a comedy. It's about the people you never see in oh. Star Trek. And I'm not the biggest Star Trek fan. But I think the show is a ton of fun. It's really funny. I like the characters. It looks funny. And yeah. What, uh, the thing is, like, the big Star Trek pushes, like Picard, the series mm. everybody was waiting for, bringing back the entire Next Generation crew. That mm. show is awful. That show is <laughs> so bad. But so How many people you. ended up watching it because they love they love Patrick Stewart and they love mm. that, that franchise. But it was just, like, a badly told story. So I'm not a big fan of that. Discovery... I loved, but I think mm-hmm. a lot of Star Trek purists don't like because it's a little too mystical at times. Like it is big action movie Star Trek in a way that the J.J. Abrams stuff is, and a lot of people don't like that. This show feels more like classic Star Trek, more like Next Generation, but funny. It is like Rick and Morty meets Star Trek, mm-hmm. and it's actually created by one of the Rick and Morty writers. So it has that vibe. There's always like a mile a minute jokes, really fun writing. Um, the animation is nice too. Like it's by the folks who do Venture Brothers, RIP mm-hmm. Venture Brothers. Um, it's just like a good vibe. So I don't know if it's worth subscribing to CBS All Access or Paramount, mm-hmm. uh, but check it out. Like I hope this is the sort of thing that'll eventually come to other services or maybe they'll make Paramount Plus uh, better to stream or cheaper to stream or something. The show's really good, so I'm excited it about that. It does look yeah. like fun. I might, this is it's the fun. one animated series that I might check out, Devendra, but I mean, you haven't seen my... Rick and Morty? That's all on Hulu. Come on. I know. Just Rick and Morty. You know. Something about Rick and Morty. I don't know if I want to. I, I might. I might one day. Who knows? <laughs> <laughs> Thanks so much for joining us today, folks. Our theme music is by game composer Dale North, and our outro music is by our very own managing editor, Terrence O'Brien. The podcast is produced by Ben Elman. You can find me online at, at Devendra, and I podcast about movies and TV at the Slash Filmcast at SlashFilm.com. Uh, I'm also still doing the Republic City Dispatch podcast about The Legend of Korra. We just put up an episode about season three, which BT Dubs is the best season. Um, that show is fantastic. Sherlyn, you the thing you should watch is Avatar <laughs> The Last Airbender and The Legend of Korra because it combines everything you love. But anyway, where can we find you, Sherlyn? 
If you have any examples of fun ways to use the LG Wing, please send them to me on Twitter at Sherlyn Lowe. Email us at podcastandgadget.com. Leave us a review on iTunes and subscribe on anything that gets podcasts, including Spotify. <laughs>